Aloha mai kako, everyone. Welcome to the Moana Nui podcast and our new Kuleana series that we are doing in partnership with sponsorship from Papa Ola Lokahi. My name is Moana McAdams. I'm the host and founder of the Moana Nui podcast, and I'm excited to have you all join us today. We're speaking with one of our continental partners in the Papa Ola Lokahi network, and we will be joined by Lealoha Kaula, who is the executive director of, sorry, Ka'ahalahui o Olekona or Kalo HCC. Lealoha is a friend of the show and she's joined us before on our Asian American Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander Month panels. And we are so honored to have her back to share more, particularly about her organization, what they're doing, and how we can better support their work. So Lealoha was born on the island of Oahu and raised on Moku Okeabe. And she now humbly appreciates the lands of the Atfalati tribes in hopes to uplift their stories and community. As a hula practitioner, cultural practices and the stories of our ancestors is the foundation of all that we do. These practices and protocols have been instilled since a young age and continues to guide her every day. As a proud graduate of Kekula Onavahi Okalani Opu'u, Olelo Hawaii surrounds all that we do and has allowed for her to carry on what has been taught to her here in the Pacific Northwest. In 1918, Prince Jonah Kuhio Kalaniana Ole founded the Honolulu Hawaiian Civic Club with a vision to engage our Lahui in the need to be civically involved in matters that impact community. Today, the Association of Hawaiian Civic Clubs is home to over 60 chartered clubs that stretches across Hawaii and Mokuhonu or Turtle Island. Ka'ahalahui Olekona, or Kalo, is one of these proud organizations with a mission and vision to carry out the work of our prince. Living in the, the diaspora is a challenge that so many of us are faced with and don't have the tools to navigate when it comes to how to make an impact here in the Pacific Northwest. Our ali'i were world travelers, navigators, here at Kalo, the goal is to establish, grow, and maintain relationships within the communities here on the continent and in Hawaii to ensure our Lahui, Ohana from Hawaii, and our Pacific Islander communities feel uplifted, seen, and heard. We are the impact and change for we are Aloha. So help me welcome back to our show. Aloha. Aloha. Mahalo for having me. Of course, it's so good to talk story. I know I'm glad we also got to meet in person at the CNHA conference in Vegas, which was so awesome to be in community and share space with so many Kanaka here on the continent. We we face different challenges over here, <laughs> but it's still nice, Nui Tukuhio and the organization for giving us a space to come together and talk about some really important issues. But today I want to focus on Kalo because you guys are doing some great work in Oregon, the Pacific Northwest, in Southwest Washington. But before we do that, let's start off with the Pico. Tell us a little bit about yourself. And I gave some in the bio, but where you're from, something that is like special about your home island. Oh, okay. So, 
So I was born on the island of Oahu, and my 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 ohana is from Oahu and Mokokiawe. I was raised on Mokokiawe, and so at a young age, moving to Mokokiawe. So for me, Hawaii Island is home. I grew up in Hilo, in the small town of Hilo. I love the small town feel. I'm so happy every time I go home that it's still pretty much the same. <laughs> every time I go to Oahu, I'm like, oh, there's a new something. So I'm always fortunate. But something something special about Hilo, I think, is the people mm-hmm. of Hilo. And, and just that that feeling of... of of being is is something that's special about Hilo and I think that's always something that I carry so I'm just very proud and I'm also very proud to be a graduate of Kikula Naviyokulaniopu where Olalo Hawaii is my foundation in everything that I do and so I get to carry Olalo Hawaii with me here on the continent and share Olalo Hawaii with my haumana with the people that I interact with and also be able to just be proud to represent Olalo Hawaii here on this platform, here on the continent. And so a lot of people, they don't know that their Hawaii has a, a language, our own language. And right. so it's such a privilege and honor to be able to be a vessel for that. So yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. I, I love the big island. It's 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 one of the unique spaces because I feel like you can be in different parts of the planet on the same island. <laughs> right, right, right. And well, the landscape is always changing because obviously Tutupele is active and Keeping us on our toes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So how long have you been in Oregon and what led you to taking on the kuleana of executive director for Kalo HCC? Okay, well, my my ohana led me to Oregon. My mom actually was relocated here to Oregon. She worked for Long Struggs. And so there used to be Long Struggs here in Oregon. Now CBS is the Long Struggs here. It's also CBS, also partner with Long Struggs in Hawaii as well. And so she still works for CBS here. But that's what moved her up to Oregon. She loved Oregon. I came to Oregon. I went to school first and then ended up coming to Oregon. And I went home in hopes to move home. But I was like, oh, not ready yet. Gotta get a job. <laughs> Unless you can live with everybody. And I didn't mind why living with family, but you know, you just coming fresh out of like being independent and on your own and living by yourself was a little bit different. So I did stay, I stayed in Oregon and I ended up getting a great job here in Oregon in corporate in the corporate world of Oregon, the corporate world of America. And it was great. And I stayed and I did the work here. And it only took I think I was in the business, I think I was in the industry for like five years five years and then I realized I didn't want to be I didn't want to be doing that anymore and one of the things I missed was hula hula was everything to me growing up halal was where I was five to seven days of the week I was at halal growing up and so I was very fortunate to learn that a kumu one of my kumus from Hawaii their 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 daughter was going to go to school here in Oregon and so we connected and we were like, hey, let's have a halal here because there were there are halals here in Oregon. But I grew up in Hawaii. I grew up in halal at home. And I was very shocked to see what Tula is portrayed like here. And I was also shocked how loosely people become kumuhula here on the continent. And so I wasn't too keen on wanting to 
be a part of that. So I was very fortunate that we had a halal. And so we started our halal. It made my heart so happy. And as we went on, unfortunately, we had to part ways because sometimes when we're going into halal and we're young, sometimes it just doesn't work out. And, and I think, I don't know if at the time, the kumu who was, who was leading the halal was, was prepared at the time. And so then we had to part ways about a year later with the blessing of our hula family. I t- talking to my auntie for many months and we started the halal. So we had a, we, the halal I have now is just, just turned 15 years old and we've had our halal here. We started off with 12 students and now we're pushing a hundred. We are very proud to see that. And through halal, the association approached some of the, some of the people who lived here in Oregon at the time, the Pelikikian at the time, I think it was in 2017 and had approached them to try to start a a Hawaiian Civic Club here in Oregon. And we were contacted multiple times and I avoided that phone call for like a year. I know it's so funny, it's horrible. I avoided that phone call because there's, we we tried to stay in our own lane, which we had Kuliana to the halal, we had Kuliana to what we was doing. And we want to try to navigate. Sometimes you can get mixed up in the wrong things and just get too much stuff going on. And so finally in 2019, so they had been trying to start the Hawaiian Civic Club from 2017. And someone had approached them and said, if you want to start this, you got to contact Lei. You got to get with Lei. You got to see what she's doing. And I was at a Walden Kekauoha concert. And then I was cornered into having a meeting and so I had invited them to our halal to have a meeting and for me Hawaiian Civic Club from what I knew was more of a social club here on the continent I didn't have the I didn't have the narrative of what Hawaiian Civic Club truly was and so I went into this meeting just wanting to hear what they wanted to do and it was nice because it was, it was similar to what we were doing in our halal like our halal was already doing the work that they wanted to do and so aligning that was awesome. And after that meeting, I went ahead and I researched Hawaiian Civic Club. And that's when I read the story of Kuhio. Growing up in Hawaiian Immersion, we, we get to learn about all these ali'i, but we learn snippets, right? So like for us as Navahi students, we are immersed in Navahi stories, right? We, Emma Navahi, what Navahi did, you go, you go Kamehameha, you're immersed in Kamehameha, you know what I mean? And so for me, it was like, I didn't know enough about Kuhio. And then I started, of course, I knew Department of Hawaiian Homes and Kyokaha. Like, I knew all those stories, but to really understand. And then when I read about him basically returning his title so that him and his wife could travel. And he went to, he lived in Africa. He was in Africa. He was in Africa. And just meeting the people and learning the people and and navigating through like, how do we coexist with another culture? And just being in that space and just reading about those stories. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then I read about why he started the civic club. And I was like, oh, so this was to be civically engaged. And then I agreed. I said, okay, we are so focused on culture and halal, which is so important. But on the continent, our people are not getting the resources that they need. Our students are not getting supported the way that they're supposed to be getting supported. Like we are just not part of that conversation because we're we're API, right? And when we're categorized as API, sometimes we're just that Native Hawaiians are lost in that because we have, even though we're Pacific Islanders, we're still 
we're categorized differently. And so we have to like navigate through all of that. I went to my first convention, association convention. It was online and Carlo took a resolution that shook a lot of feathers. It was the Black Lives Matter resolution. And we were the first first club to bring a resolution like that. <laughs> and so it kind of woke everybody up. Carlo became, we started to just, yeah, we started to get involved. And how I became the executive director is that we were partnering with so many of our organizations and we were seeing the need for the value of of really building and establishing a value in the work that we're doing. So we needed funding, we needed grants. And when you're working with partners who want to give you money, unfortunately, as much as we appreciate volunteering, funders aren't going to just provide the kind of funding you need to open up a community center to volunteers. You got to start putting value. And I think that's something that our people are so giving. We're so giving, man. I've been volunteering since I walked out of the womb with my mom. I don't even know if my mom knows anything but volunteering. And so we volunteer so much and we give so much. Aloha is embedded in our bloodline. Like we don't even, people don't have to ask me, oh, what does aloha mean? It means everything I look at in the mirror. That's what aloha needs to be. And we forget though in this day and age, when all we do is give, give, give on that level, we're giving too much of us and we need to be valued. Our time needs to be valued. Our 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 EK, our manao needs to be valued. And that's how we transitioned Kahlo into a position where we could become a 501c3 and start to bring on staff and building a space for our people to see that they can exist here. And so that's, sorry, long, long story to get to this place. <laughs> No, that that was so fascinating. You took me to so many different places, but I I I cannot help but like just love. And if I had the clap applause emojis, I would, <laughs> in terms of like the giving and like needing to set boundaries around that, yeah, I see that so much. And I even myself for a long time struggled with that, but really coming to grips now, especially like if you're paying attention, like our ike is. Is, is like it's pretty much in now like everybody wants more of it which is great but like you need to pay us for our time because just like you offer any other service like our people have bills to pay too so how can we keep it sustainable and growing for our community just like anything else and it's interesting that you also brought up like the categorization and kind of being lumped in with the uh, with the asian american piece of it and how that kind of what's the word clouds some of the unique distinct needs of those communities that's definitely important too and something that we will be exploring here in the kuleana series going forward so maybe we can have you back for that one too (laughs) so let's talk a little bit more about kalo what are the what are the main programs or initiatives like that your organization is running to achieve the objectives Oh, some big one too. Some big <laughs> so Kahlo, again, our mission is to carry out the vision of Prince Kuhio and and that he set for the Honolulu Hawaiian Civic Club when he founded the Honolulu Hawaiian Civic Club. And it was really to promote and to perpetuate our Hawaiian culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we carry his 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 one of his last words, right, is that he believed that to truly rehabilitate 
Allahui, we need to return. We need to get them back to the land. And so for us in our mindset, it's like, okay, we understand that we are living in diaspora. We're living, we're not living on our own homeland, but how do we, how do we keep that, that mana'o going, right? And so sometimes we think of just land as just land, but we were very fortunate to have, there's a, this, this amazing workshop we did. We did one with Antituti Kanahele, and we also did one with Anikila Mangwao. And both of them talked about Pu'uhono oh, and Kalanipea. We had those three, and we had this, these different workshops. And all of them talked about Pu'uhonoa. And for me, for our halal, that was exactly what my purpose was here in Oregon, was when we was building the halal, was to create a Pu'uhonoa, right? Create this a space, a safe space for our people. And so something they talked about was that your Pu'uhonoa always isn't just at home. Your pu'uhonua is where you make it. Your pu'uhonua is your kino. Yeah, your you are your pu'uhonua. Your aina is your pu. Where you live is your pu'uhonua, and you have to establish that. And so, with that mindset, we had to think about like how can Kalo create a pu'uhonua here in Oregon and Southwest Washington for our people who are so disconnected. And so, our three focuses is culture, education, and health. Huge focuses, like. But these are our three pillars that we look at. And culture leads all the work that we do because we want to make sure that everything that we're doing, we're doing it through a cultural lens, not just as a Hawaiian, not just as a Kanaka, but truly as a person of color. What does that cultural lens look like? Yeah, Because the beauty of Hawaii is that Hawaii is filled with so many different cultures. And we've been in, we've been in community and in talk stories with people living here in Oregon, especially the youth. This is the one that was hardest for me is the youth who are from Hawaii. And then they come here, but they're not Hawaiian. So they feel as if they don't have a place, right? Like they don't have a place, but that's the, that's not the conversation, right? We do, we have Kanaka Maoli and we have Hawaiian in Hawaii. And I would always tell the students, let's look back at our Ali'i. Our Ali'i created a nation and if you were here, oh, sorry, sorry, excuse me. My phone ringing, sorry. If you were here, you were Hawaiian. You became a citizen of Hawaii. Your family, your third generation to Hawaii, and all you have is Hawaii. You are from Hawaii. You may not be Kanaka, but you're from Hawaii. Hawaii is your home. And so there's so many different, when you're looking at it through a cultural lens, there's so many different perspectives on what that means. And cultural lens could mean I am Kanaka and I'm looking through it as a Kanaka or I am from Hawaii. I'm a third generation. My grandma's mother came here. And and the stories from those generations, right, is that so many of them fled to Hawaii for a place to call home. They got kicked out of their own. They they got removed from their own their own homeland. They got bombed out of their own homeland. They don't they have no place to go. And so we got to have that, talk about that story. So that's why culture is not just Kanaka, it's Hawaiian culture, it's Hawaii's culture. And so through that, we believe, how do we bring that into education? Well, here on the continent, what is the, what is the narrative that's missing in a lot of education? People of color. We're missing. The people who built this, this American culture. We are the American culture, but nobody talks about it. And so education is is one of our first and and it's about 
engaging our youth to be those advocates, right? To getting to those spaces of making sure that we're connecting with them and having them speak for themselves, like having them be at those tables. And we keep showing up. We realized a couple of years ago that Pacific Islanders are not represented in our education in here in Oregon. So now we're starting to represent. We're very proud to be part of the Oregon Pacific Islander Coalition. Our executive director there, Alicia, she really spearheaded an amazing opportunity for our Pacific Islanders, which was House Bill 3144, which is the Pacific Islander Student Success Plan. And we made history. It's the first bill. It's going to be law. Not it's going to be. It is law. It will be signed in September, and the government is now obligated to create space for our Pacific Islanders, create support for our Pacific Islander students and and faculty and the families. And so that's huge for us, and that's education. But not only that part is how do we get into higher ed? Because here in Oregon, our Pacific Islanders, they're getting lost because when you're looking at the report cards and you look at API, we look beautiful, right? We look like, oh my gosh, look at them. They're succeeding. No, let's just segregate that data. And then you end up finding our Pacific Islanders, especially in our county, we're at the lowest graduation rate, the highest expulsion, but nobody has those conversations. So our job is to bring those conversations forward, showing up to the school board, showing up to the schools and creating spaces to bring that, to bring that narrative to light. And we're really trying to get our curriculum into the schools. We're also super excited to see at Portland State University, Brie Kalima will be teaching the first Pacific Islander class that's going to be part of their ethnic studies there at Portland State. And so it's so cool. She's actually coming in from Hawaii. She works in and she's coming in and she's going to be teaching that. So we're seeing those trends happen here in Oregon and that's our education realm. And then of course we have our health and I know all of us can talk about this, and this is this is the blessing of being partnership with Papolo Lokahi, to be able to continue to stay connected with our Native Hawaiian health programs and systems, and be able to learn from that to implement them here in Oregon because there's nothing really for our Pacific Islanders here in Oregon. COVID really sweeped the nation, showing that Pacific Islanders didn't get support, and so we have recently, not recently, now it's been through almost three years now we're partnering with Oregon Health Oregon Health Authority we've been partnering with the CDC we health health systems that we're partnering with like Trillium Trillium Health Plan Willamette Family Care Providence and so at OHSU Oregon Health Oregon Health and Science University is one of our big partners they are one of the nation's top hospital institutions, but also it's a university as well. It's a medical school. And so we're very excited to be able to be in that space. Something I did learn recently is that OHSU has a a fluent Hawaiian language speaking doctor who just, I don't want to give out his name because I don't want to get in trouble how I got his name. So, But he is from our Hawaiian immersion schools on the Big Island. Yes. Hawaiian language. He is a meadow. Yeah, he's a family practitioner. And so I told OHSU, I was like, you guys better rise to the occasion because no other hospital in Oregon has a Hawaiian, a fluent Hawaiian language speaker. So we're coming. But yeah, we're trying to get into spaces and get initiatives and really the thing we're calling out to our to our state is that we need a Pacific Islander health clinic. And we don't need it in 10 years. We needed it 10 years ago. So we're coming for it. So that those are our initiatives. Those are our programs. And each sector has a bunch of programs that sit under it. 
and so we just and the other part of what we've been doing we've been able to grow we started with me in january of last year 2022 and then we went from two now we are at six staff we have six staff here at Kalo and we have a food justice program lead we have a community health lead and we have our program director and then we have our office coordinator who helps really bring our community center to life and then we also have our office our office kokua which is our youth who are in this space so that they can tell us how to navigate the work that we're doing i love how you talked about higher education and how it's very like misunderstood in terms of the native hawaiian pacific islander aspect of it if you anybody who's involved in what's now coined as DEIA, which stuff that we've been doing this whole time. Mm -hmm. um, You look at the statistics and you break it apart. And yeah, I mean, there's a stark difference between what is the Asian composition and what is the native Hawaiian Pacific Islander. I mean, I knew it just from looking around at my job. You can probably count on my hands how many are actually Kanaka. And then there are some who are like, have Hawaii connection, like you said, right? They're from Hawaii, but they're not Kanaka. And that expands it a little bit, but it's still maybe only 10, maybe 15, maybe 20 if we're lucky. And we're talking about an organization of thousands, right? So like, how do we build, one, build community, and then two, better advocate and ask for those, well, not really ask, more, more demand, that our needs are taken into consideration too. So great Kuliana and great perspective there especially like with the youth and Bree mahalo to Bree for introducing me to you i'm really excited for her because i know she had moved back home and she told me that she had got the job but you i was like yeah so excited for her because i know how important it was to be working in that space and she has so much mana'o too i was impressed by her in this leadership cohort that we're both a part of and so it's just wonderful to see our kanaka stepping up and really making a difference and creating pathways for the next generation to come. Fantastic. So this is kind of related to what we talked about before, but maybe just delving into a little bit more detail. From your perspective, what are the top needs, challenges, or gaps for the community in the Oregon and Southwest Washington area? Top needs. So if I'm looking at health, we need to have more Pacific Islander representation in the health system. Mm-hmm. Um, our community is fearful of going to our healthcare system for obvious reasons, right? You, one, you already got to deal with the barrier of mistrust, right, of our people and then having to show up. And I think also a big need is that the government needs to identify that they do not have enough Pacific Islander representation and they need to partner with Pacific Islander CBOs, community-based organizations. And we've been trying to work with that here in Oregon to prove that when we're in collaboration and we work together, the call can be made because you can build that relationship. For example, this past weekend at 40s of Aloha, Kalo represented our Hawaiian Civic Clubs, but also we represented what collaboration looks like. And so we partnered with Washington County. We came out of Oregon. So Washington County was like, how do we reach our Pacific Islander people? And we told them, we're like, Marys, you guys are not going to reach them if it's you guys. But if you partner with us, it's a different. And so we partnered with them with the program. It's the Brownfields Assessment Tool. 
and Washington County here is working to connect with the community to for the community to say, hey, where are lands that need to be preserved or needs to be developed or needs to stop being developed? And how do we better serve that? And if we can get this information, then we can get funding to support these lands. And so our narrative on how we, we told them, this is how you have to talk to our people, like our people is about land. We are land people. And we also recognize that we're indigenous people living on other indigenous people's land. So you have to come from that conversation but it cannot come from you. It has to come from us. And so when you're talking to Kanaka or you're talking to indigenous people or just people of color, and you're saying like, hey, we know this not your land, but you live here. And this is the saying we're seeing at home, right? If your two feet is on Hawaii, you have a kulena. Same thing goes over here. If your two feet is on this land, you get kulena. And so we partnered with them now for a couple of years now. They've been trying to get Pacific Islander surveys. And I think it took them, and please don't, excuse me if I got this wrong, but over a couple of years, maybe they got like 10. Over the weekend, we got over 50 people, and they talked to over 200 people to get that conversation going, but it was just, to, and that was the proof, if you collaborate, and that's what we told Washington County, we said, look what happens when you collaborate with the community, and you folks don't always have to justify, like, oh, well, we are the people who are right. No, let's, let's humble ourselves and find a different narrative, and so we worked with them and we showed them that need. That's the need is to collaborate. We don't have Pacific Islander people in our healthcare system. We don't have Pacific Islanders representing our the, the corrective need of our data. You have to work with CBOs. You have to, have to, have to. And that was proof this past weekend. And we were excited to be able to do that. And so that's a huge need and awareness, I guess. And, and it's, it's coming, it's coming to light. And then within our education realm, it's the same thing. It's Pacific Islander representation, but also dismantling the the Western narrative that has oppressed all of us. It doesn't matter if you brown, white, black, but the, just that whole mentality of what success looks like, right? Success is that person in the high tower making all the money and but right that's the success that you're looking at right success is the person who drives all the fancy cars no we have to change that narrative because our pacific islander students are scared of that of that narrative they're scared of that picture they're scared of that image and you know what we support higher education but higher education can come in so many different forms our pacific islander students especially in oregon our micronesian and Marshallese community Military always comes to the forefront when they have resources, resource fairs. Like they're always the ones to reach out to them first. Let's talk about schools first. Let's talk about how we can, what's that narrative like? And so I think with our education system is we have to have more Pacific Island representation within the school system. And we have to understand that we need to break that stereotype and believe that our Pacific Islander people belong in the spaces of change, in the spaces of where where we talk about important things. Our student, our youth don't believe that they belong. They don't believe that they can be Crystal Kai, the executive director appointed by the president. They don't believe that they can be Sherry Daniels with Papa Ololokahi. They don't they don't have this belief that they can be there. And we have to continue to showcase these leaders in our community who are making it happen to our youth and then allowing our youth and creating programs that shadow mentorship, 
so that our students see themselves in those spaces. Our students don't see themselves as doctors and they see themselves as nurses. Love all the nurses, not saying that we love nurses, but we need Pacific Islander doctors. And our kids aren't seeing that. They don't see that, like, they, they're scared of it. And it's like, no, let's go beyond that. So representation, that's the biggest need. Representation, representation. And then when you're there representing, you got to show up. That's the next step. You got to show up. Yeah, that's definitely one thing Sherry and I have talked about when, especially when advocating at the federal level, because if we're going to say that we're not being represented, then when the invite comes out, you have to show up because if you're not going to show up, then people don't take you seriously, right? But that comes with huge kuleana because it, that is a heavy lift to one, be able to show up and two, like carrying the message for our entire community too, and, and trying to do it in the best way possible, acknowledging like the different needs and nuances that different pockets might have, but really focusing in on that bigger picture and how we can make steps forward to do that. So yeah, mahalo for that. Oh, you opened up some more. <laughs> you giving me so much thoughts on like, oh, so many conversations we can have from this. But I really resonate with, I work in moving into like talent recruitment and stuff for my day job. And what I continue to tell them is like, okay, so if you really want to take the Pacific Islander and Native Hawaiian community seriously, like you cannot recruit only at just colleges because a lot of us get filtered out before even then. So if you want to really reach out to our community, you got to come to our cultural organizations. Like you just have to, because that's where we are. And you don't, we, like, we don't even second guess any of that. Like, especially on the continent, like they find, oh, wh where's your festival? Something that I can connect to. I'm going to be there if I can, if you know, if you know about it. So I mean, you got to partner with these community organizations and not the colleges. You can find some in colleges, but if you want to like really invest and do it smartly, maximize your level of effort too, then come to our, our cultural organizations because that's, that's where our people are going to be. So... It's interesting to see that that trend even showing up in other spaces too, or at least get confirmation. Because I'm like, bro, am I crazy? Or like, <laughs> like they need to, like you said, like it cannot be you. Like you have to talk to somebody who understands the community yeah. and can help you get there faster. So at the at the recent CNHA conference in Vegas, we talk about like how over fifty percent of the Kanaka community is now living on the continent, and with you, as you mentioned earlier, being one of the civic clubs that is continent-based, how does the advocacy differ from what you've seen with the civic clubs in the islands? Is it the same? Is it different? Are there things that we have to tailor to operate on the continent? Yeah, I, I love this question. And I think this conversation should happen more often. You know, what I, got, I was very privileged to be part of one of the panels at CNHA. And this question kind of similar to it. And it was something that I had shared was that I'm very privileged in this, in this context because I was born and raised in Hawaii. I was born and raised in Hawaiian culture, in language, immersed in like all, all of that, right? What is protocol? What is like just immersed in all of that? And then I moved to the content. I went to school here with no intention of staying. And when I came to school here, I recognize how I treated our people here on the continent. I recognize the difference and I removed myself from like Hawaii club and all of that. Cause I didn't, 
I knew that what I was doing wasn't okay, but I didn't understand how to navigate that yet. I didn't understand what that meant, right? What, what, why was I thinking that this person, for lack of better words, and a kalamai, I always a kalamai, a hui kalamai all the time. I was thinking as if they were, they were less than, or I was better than, right? Being, being raised in Hawaii and everything. And so, and then I came to this place where now I live here on the continent and I'm a part of this community that's here on the continent. And the narrative is very different. At home, we're so privileged to be in our homeland and be able to fight for our culture. When we show up to Congress, we get to fight for our Native Hawaiians in our Native Hawaiian space. We get to drop the lineage and drop the document after document after document for our Hawaii. We get to be so proud to be able to say we get to Olala Hawaii in this courthouse because this is the language of our land and we're here. Unfortunately, here in Oregon or really on the continent, Mokuhonu, that's not the narrative that we get to practice, right? And we are in space as not just Native Hawaiians. We're Pacific Islanders. And I grew up as Polynesian. I was proud. I was Polynesian, right, left, right. And as I was learning here and I got to be part of the Oregon Pacific Islander Coalition and be in spaces with more of our Pacific Islander people, I started to ask myself, why are we not learning this at home? Why are we not learning about the Micronesian community? Why are we not learning about the Marshallese? Why is this history not in our books at home so that we can correctively fix that white elephant that's in the room with Native Hawaiians and Micronesians. We have this hakaka that we don't even understand. And I was in space with, with one of our leaders here, with Virginia Luca, and she's telling me the stories of, of their land, their islands. And I'm like, oh my gosh, guys, this is why. This is, and for me, I grew up not knowing any of that. We do not learn that in Hawaii unless you take, you go to Manoa and you, or you go to a university and you take a Pacific Islander class. Then you start learning about it. Well, our youth aren't learning about it. We should all learn about being Pacific Islanders. And so here in the continent, we're fighting to be Pacific Islanders because that NHPI, when you go into a space of Pacific Islanders, that's, that's a war zone too. Because why does the native Hawaiians differ from Pacific Islanders, right? And then for me as Native Hawaiian, I'm like, well, because that's our ceded lands that they would take and that's this money we get in federal funding, like that's my money. And we can argue that narrative, right? But then so can every other Pacific Islander. American Samoa can argue that. Fiji can, Papua New Guinea can argue that. The Micronesia, the Marshall Islands can argue that, right? We all have that. And so I think here on the continent, it's harder for us because we're fighting as Pacific Islanders. And when Native Hawaiians walk into a space, we're the privileged ones. We're the privileged ones when it comes to Pacific Islanders because we have the luxury of getting additional funding. We have the luxury of, of being Native Hawaiian. And, and it's, it's a conversation that's so hard to have with our other Native Hawaiian people, but it's a conversation that we have so often with our Pacific Islander people. And I just wish that we learn more of that in our history in Hawaii as Pacific Islanders, what it, mean, what it means to be Pacific Islanders, because it's a battlefield here on the continent for us. Yeah, and I know you're like, yeah, we know, because we're proud to be Native Hawaiian. Man, I'm so proud to be Hawaiian. and I, And I can argue right and left about why NH should exist. 
But then I can also argue why we should be Pacific Islanders, just one big Pacific, because, and that's, and I think it's so hard, like, that that was the thing that was hard for me at CNHA, was I wish that conversation was more open. I wish we had more space to have that conversation because our kanaka up here, we're not just battling for resources for ourselves. We battling to be part of it. We got a battle to say, no, no, we're we're not better than you guys. We trying to be part of this movement. And it's a rough, it's rough up here. And it's a hard, it's hard to see our youth struggle with that too. Our youth struggle with like, oh, maybe I shouldn't say I need a Hawaiian because I don't know how I'm going to get treated. And so, and it's a conversation. People don't talk about this. People don't want to talk about it. And so, yeah, that's, that's go on and on. Sorry. <laughs> no, no need to apologize. I mean, that's, that's the whole reason why we're creating this space. I mean, Moana Nui, right? Like yep. the vast Pacific. And it, it's interesting that you, you said this is like history and things that you don't learn until you go to college, which is so true for me too, like even being Kanaka, because I didn't have the benefit of going to Hawaiian Immersion School. I didn't learn Olelo Hawaii until I went to college. And I did well when I was there, but then after I left, no more immersion, so no more language. So I was like, it. But in terms of Pacific Islander history and understanding the culture and nuances and practices of all of the other island nations, and it makes my heart sore when I see the disconnect, because if you learn about it and you study it, there's so many more commonalities than there are differences. If you understand the migration, we're all related. Like I say all the other ones, that's just cousins who's like over there. Like we never meet, but we're all related because we were navigators and we were traversing throughout the entire Pacific and not just the Pacific to Africa, to South America. Like all of these westernized names now that wasn't even in existence before. But you, you're right, though, trying to connect with the Pacific Islander communities. And some some of them, like, there's this beef. And I'm like, I don't know why. Like, who's this? How come you're looking at me funny? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so interesting. I was in a panel for a huge health system. Huge health system. They brought two of us into this space to talk about our culture and it got super heated because he brought up the Polynesian Voyaging Society. Mm-hmm. And he brought up navigation. And I was just like, I was prepared because I had already been in space before. Here on the continent, we get hit with this a lot. We get hit yeah. with this subject a lot. And so he was like, well, this is what Polynesian people do. And I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, well, the navigation, had it not been for our people, we wouldn't even be we wouldn't even be standing and i was like what are you we all we always mahalo papa ma we're so like you're mm-hmm. right like man uncle i know goes and he shares and they spread the story about papa ma we are reminded that papa ma taught us like it was because of papa ma and he goes yeah you guys do that but then you called it the polynesian voyaging society and i was like in the midst of all of these health people i was like he goes, why wasn't it called the Pacific Voyaging Society? Mm. And I was like, well, I don't know. 
thank you for pointing it out to me in front of the thousand people. And so, I, yeah, I was just like, I was so lost. I was like, oh, my gosh. And then after I got off that call, I was like, that's why. That's why they're mad. What, why? In my head, I was like, and I ended up emailing the Polynesian Voyage Society. I'm like, what are we doing about this? Like, why are mm-hmm. we what are we, and, and, oh gosh, don't get me wrong, they're doing amazing work, like, mahalo, you guys are doing things that we need to be doing, bringing light to so much climate change, like, they are doing so fabulous, but our Micronesian families are hurt. Yeah. And let me tell you, over here, and maybe at home too, they're vocal about it, and I was just naive to not hear over here on the continent, especially in Oregon, oh, they're vocal about it. Mm-hmm. And I, res- I, I just, who you call my to them? Because I don't have anything to say. But right. that's the struggle. We're just like, what are we doing? I mean, and just over the weekend at an event, at our event, we did a misstep calling out things at the, the MCs were calling out things at the event where you're just like, guys, who? Makala, gotta makala what you're saying. Right. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah, and, and that's why here on the continent, I want you like, we gotta have, it's a different narrative here. It's a yeah. different, our, our, our people, they're hurting. Yeah, I mean, and I think you can find that hurt in all cultures. So, it's like, I feel like it's this delicate balance of like accountability, but also like grace in that, like, a lot of it comes from ignorance and not knowing the history and that stuff. So it's not like all malintent. It's more like, oh, sorry, I didn't look at it from your perspective, exactly. right? Like, yep. like if that, that uncle had told me that, I'd be like, oh, you know what, uncle, you're right. Like, I don't know what to say because, but I cannot, I can only answer for myself, right? Like I can help to share the message and, and ask for accountability from other people and like, be more mindful about the things that we're changing. But I think we got to have a little bit of humility and grace too, because you got to be careful is when you, when you like this, then right. Like the majority mainstream likes to use that and like further. So dissidents between communities. So it should really be in partnership and working together to really kind of fix the things that we have, mm-hmm. have been missteps that we just didn't know, but now we have access to all of this information exactly. and we can do better. Right. So yeah, no, I, yeah. You really make me think too, like, but you're right though, because I know like when I moved here to the East coast privilege in the framework of what you talked about, I definitely took growing up in Hawaii for granted, but you come over here and you're like, what the hell is this? It's like the polar opposite. There is no real community unless you make your own community, particularly here in the DC area. It's the nation's capital and it's dog eat dog out here. It's like swimming with sharks is what we was talking about in the Ayala is, but like that that's really how it's in. You get dropped in here and you're like, oh boy, you need thick skin to live over here. Yeah. <laughs> you need shock skin for real. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine when I've been there, when I went there and I went, so I was like, whoo, you got to have some thick skin over here, man. You got to have some thick skin, yeah. For real. People coming at you all the time. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah, I mean, whatever community you can find, no matter how small. I mean, that's one of the big things that I try to amplify when I'm talking to, trying to get Kiki or recruit other people to come and consider 
the federal government here is there's people like if so you're not gonna be alone it's definitely better than when i came because i was like what the heck but it's better now and it's i'm glad that we have partnerships with papa Olokahi and other organizations so we can kind of stay in community and nowadays like when we, we when we was young right never had all this technology so if you buy yourself like you buy yourself <laughs> right but now we got all these tools that we can connect virtually and be more intentional about like how how we work together and like what is the goals and missions that we want to really achieve so, yeah 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 definitely a different time because when i went to school the ethernet just was getting big Right, we still, right. We still was using the calling card. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not the kind that can just text us like, "Hey, you can cash at me, Mary." What is this? Yeah, yeah. It's a different. It's definitely a different time. But yeah, and I'm with you. Like, take you. It just there's so there's so much there's so much we can do, and I've I've been in space with people who have said this when we're talking about things, and we're just like, "Oh well, it happened." And they say, you don't know what you don't know. It's mm-hmm. true. You don't know what you don't know. But in this day and age, we have yeah. an opportunity to know. So I can see 50 years ago that could exist and it yeah. could be okay. But today, when you use, you don't know what you don't know. And that's the answer that's for, accountability, for accountability. It's not yeah. It's not okay anymore. Nope. Yeah. It's lazy. Yeah. And like stop being moloa. <laughs> exactly. Like we have opportunities, so yeah. Yep. For sure. Oh my gosh, we could talk about this forever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but believe it or not, we're almost at the end. So okay, so maybe last question. So well, both of our organizations have really benefited from partnership with Papa Ololokahi. What activities, if you gotten down this path yet? Like, what do you think you have planned over the next year as you continue to build Kalo? Yes, I got to really shout out to Papa Ololokahi, you know, something that that just makes my heart with Papa Ololokahi all the time. Last summer, we were we were privileged. We, we have a program, our summer program, which is about to kick off next week, which is our Halal Youth, our Halua. It's our summer education program, but we do Halua all year. So it's called Halua, Cultivating the Next Generation. So we've had workshops throughout the year, but this is our like immerse, immersion program, basically. And last year, our grantor, one of our grantors that we had, pulled out in the middle of the program. And I was like, okay, well, this is the time we reach out. We have built relationships and Pilina, and we reached out. And Papa Ololokahi was our, answered the call. And it was because of Papa Ololokahi, our program continued. And we were able to serve 47 youth that's in our area, huge, to be able to give them this immersion program of culture. Today, those next our, our next session, those youth that used to be part of that, they're now the peer counselors. They're going to be the ones teaching. And so, or they're the ones that they've been teaching. It's not that they're going to, they've been teaching. They're a part of the movement. And so we're gearing up for our halwa. Other programs that we're really focused on is health resource programs, is creating space where we can bring all of our resources to play in one space so that our Pacific Islanders can attend. Last year, we did our second annual Unity Expo and we had over 700 
people attend. It was a free event. We try to keep the events free, accessible to people. We're working on cultural programs where it's relating to mental health and how culture and mental health is is united. And so one of the things that Kahlo has, well, maybe I should have led with this, is Kahlo, we have partnered with the Oregon Food Bank. Now we're going on three years and we have a Kahlo community garden here. This weekend, we have a few uncles and, and one of our directors, John, who has been working in community for so long, they're going to be teaching to build rock wall. So we're going to do a rock wall around our, around our lo'i, well, it's a mala, excuse me, not lo'i, our mala. And last year, we harvested over 500 pounds of lo'o. Wow. And shared with the community, yeah. So our community garden, this year, what we're working on is we're working on expanding and building a greenhouse so that we have kalo growing all year long. We're working, and what's beautiful about the community garden is that that's where we meet a lot of our partners and we bring our community out there and we work, it's getting our hands into the dirt, putting our hands in the soil. And while you're working out there, you're talking story with your community, you find new people. And for us, that's part of culture, that's mental health. And so we want to expand this program into our education. We want to expand this program into our schools. And we also want to expand these programs into our health systems, as well as our, as well as our correctional systems. And creating that 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 transition programs and truly leaning on our mala to be upstream prevention. We want to get our, our youth are the ones who are involved. They're the ones planting it. Our kiki come out. And so every week we have volunteers that go and they malama the mala. They weed the mala. We just harvested some leaves so that people could eat, go and eat lao lao. And so there's so much. So our mala is really the center of all of the everything that we're doing. And so we just expanded to Pacific University. So Pacific University just, they created, they started their mala in May. So they're growing taro at Pacific University and the students are the ones taking care of it. And so now the other universities are wanting us to partner with them. So we're reaching out to have our Pacific Islander students have a little mala and it's the feeling of being, of being a part of it. That was what was beautiful at Pacific University. About 30 students came out. The plot, 15 by 15. That's a lot of people for a 15 by 15 plot. But the excitement that they had to have Kahlo growing made them feel home. And that is what we got to create. That's that piece. And so the expansion of our mala is what we're going to be working on. And also our goal is to partner with our farmers in Hawaii and like and also our papakui makers and our pohakukui makers to really be able to establish that relationship up here and find ways to work with our farmers at home to also can we have kalo up here and can we have poi can we have workshops so we want we're working on doing a workshop to make to have our members make their own papakui their pohakukui and having that in their home so that they're eating poi. We're trying to work on getting poi into our diet. And then another big program that we're working on currently right now, we don't know the name yet. So you're going to go, we're going to call it this or we're going to call it that. I'm not going to give the names away yet. But we are working, hoping to partner with Hawaii, Hawaii, California, Oregon, and Washington to do a clinical focus trial on kalo and the benefits of kalo in our health because we learned 
there you go. Yeah, like how do we, we got to implement Kahlo into our diet every day. And we want to, like this, like the hula study for dementia and high hypertension and high blood pressure and all of that stuff. And we want to create a space for Kahlo to have that on a national level for people to start working and for, for that conversation to be a piece that we also see in CNN, in Forbes, in Times Magazine. We want to see Kahlo in those spaces as well, reminding people. And we want to start seeing Kahlo being grown in people's backyard. So those are all the yeah. programs that we have lined up that we want to work with. We want to work with Papolo Lokahi as well as our other health systems partners. That's so beautiful. Like I, I, I smoke I'm jealous I'm over here on the East Coast. <laughs> no, but that's, that's awesome. <laughs> that's right. I know Lehua would be like, oh yeah, Lehua at ALA Hawaiian Cultural Center because she's she's like, oh, we can do like people can make their own board. And she's trying to do something similar over here too. So you guys got a talk story for sure. I love them. I want to come out. I want to. I want to watch for the next event because I want to come out. I yeah, love what I, I love what they do. I love what they do. Yeah, I think I think there's gonna be like an ahakeki event oh. in probably like September kind of time frame, and then they're doing holoku ball in December. Okay, I will look for that. See, Eala is also near and dear to me because our halaos hoike, it's called Eala. Ah, nice, nice. So nice. when I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh, I love them. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's awesome. We definitely want to connect you with them and welcome at, at our Hale over here if you do come out this way for sure. Okay, so last and final question. So how can individuals who are interested in supporting your organization get involved, whether through volunteering, donating, advocating for your organization's mission? Um, well, if you live in the Pacific Northwest, you can visit our website, which is right here under my name. And my name, I can wave it down. Come visit us at kalohcc.org. Our volunteer link just went up. We have so many ways to volunteer, so many events that you can be a part of. So please come visit our website, connect with us. If you are living afar, please visit our website. And there's a beautiful donation button at the bottom of the page that you can donate. We can also identify where you want the donation to go to support education. If you're looking at programs on our website, if you want to support our food pantry here at the community center, and you can also look at our Aloha Resource and Culture, excuse me, Aloha Resource and Community Center, which is where it's the home of Kalo. We have a food pantry, clothes closet. We have study areas, workspaces. So if you're in the area and you need a space to come to, this is where it's at. Just reach out to us. But everything you can find out about us is on kaloacc.org. You can also follow us on Instagram, which is at kaloacc. You can follow us on Facebook, which I believe is also kaloacc. And I think we're on Twitter and we're on LinkedIn. I'm not the social media person. We have amazing people that do that. So you can find us in those spaces. Right on. I'm going to have to ask you about your social media people because I need one too. <laughs> it's amazing. Amazing. It's such, yeah. I'm like, I need some young kikis for that because mm-hmm. the platforms change so fast. I'm like, I, I cannot like. 
We're so excited. I mean, she is a kanaka from Hawaii. She just graduated from Portland State. She's from Waianae. Nice. And she just came out of Portland State. Her 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 next step is to go get her master's in nonprofit leadership. So yes. when she found when we found a home for her here in how in Kalo, we were super excited to give space to our young kanaka. That's fantastic. I love that. All righty. Well, so thank you so much for sitting down, talking story with us about your wonderful organization. I know Sherry and the Papa Ola Lokahi family are are grateful to be in partnership with you guys too. We love them. I know we love them so much. Like, thank you so much for seeing us over here on the continent mm-hmm. and being willing to invest in us too. Because mm-hmm. there's lots of lots they of talent. They see us, they yeah. hear us, and they create visibility. That's Absolutely. amazing. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I know you for that. I hope everybody enjoyed. If you found this to be interesting, which I hope you do, because how could you not? Uh, please like, follow and share this video. Follow Kalo HCC, as we mentioned. And please continue to stay in community with us as we continue our Kuleana series. We're going to be doing this all year in partnership with Papa Ololokahi. If you have topics or speakers that you would like to hear from, we would definitely welcome those suggestions. You can send those to us at Podcast at gmail.com. And you can also tune in to our live streams every Thursday at 7 and 8.30 p.m. As we're working on this series, we might go off days a little bit just based on the availability of our speakers, but follow us on on YouTube for sure. That's where most of our content is. And then on your favorite podcast platform, we're we're there as well. So with that said, we're going to close out for tonight. Mahalo to Le Aloha, mahalo to Sherry and Papa Ololakahi, and mahalo to all of you for tuning in and being in community with us. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Malama pono, ahui ho. So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If they won't tell it, we will If this the land of the free, it was a freedom then When they annexed Hawaii and called it Sea the Lands Without any type of payment and no signing off Called themselves the Republic in 1894 1.2 million acres overtaken from the native Hawaiians When they resisted, the West retaliated in violence and erasure The Hawaiian language is banned As part of colonialism's plan to expand, yeah Stuck between a rock and a hard place Multiple bombings of Koholave As a part of their ongoing war with Asia Used it as a place for target practice No consent or compensation Colonizers call for annexation No regard for all the local School will never let you know So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If we won't tell it, we will Stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If they won't tell it We will, we will So if we put Hawaii in a perspective Well black and Asian history is interconnected Considering the fight with the Pacific Then 
of course Versus Asia, they was treated as a middleman for war But they didn't let the western colorism run its course Cause dark skin was a sign of dignity to call The land was taken in the name of capitalism When prior to it was an actual kingdom Clap back at the system Stuck between a rock and a hard place Multiple bombings of Koholave As a part of their ongoing war with Asia Used it as a place for target practice no consent or compensation Colonizers call for annexation No work out for all the locals School will never let you know So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If we won't tell it, we will Too many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If we won't tell it, we will so many stories left to tell Even if we had to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If we won't tell it, we will Too many stories left to tell Even if we had to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If we won't tell it, we will We will